With supposed COVID symptoms on the rise again, some churches are wondering if they will be forced to close or at least cap the number of attendees again during a future pandemic like they did back in 2020. What will your church do? Today we will interview one pastor who did not close his church and won a Supreme Court decision in the process which could very well help all of us. Join me for another exciting edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. I do thank you for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. Now I've got a very special guest that will be joining us here in just a little bit. But before he does, I want to kind of set this up and let you know why this is so important. Church attendance and the gathering, the assembling together of the church. Well, the reason is, is because it's scriptural. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Church attendance, gathering together as a church, uh, is, is absolutely important, and it's very essential for these end times that we're living in. So let me set the stage for my guests that we'll have on here in just a moment, and um, because I want to make sure you get the full gravity of the situation here. So you remember back in 2020, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, back on February 25th, 2020, CDC's Dr. Nancy Messonier, the incident manager for the COVID-19 response, she held a telebriefing and braced the nations to expect mitigation efforts to contain the SARS-CoV-2 virus in the United States and she said that it may include school closings, workplace shutdowns, and the canceling of large gatherings and public events, stating that the disruption to everyday life may be severe. Wow, did we see that? I mean, it was mask mandates and just uh, everybody stay in your homes and shut in and, uh, you know, be very careful. And, and then there was, there ended up being church closings and uh, you know, going grocery stores. I mean, our, uh, stay home. Don't go to work. I mean, it just happened. It was. It was. Uh, it took over our lives. It seemed like, right? Well, the USA Today said that during the COVID nineteen pandemic in early July twenty twenty, California banned singing, mandating um, places of worship that discontinue indoor singing and chanting activities and limit indoor attendance to 25% of the building capacity or a maximum of 100 attendees or whichever is lower. And yet the state did not place the same restrictions on protests that were happening as, as if thousands shouting uh, at a protest, albeit was outdoors, but with minimal social distancing and irregular use of masks that that would prove less risky, right? It was, they were picking and choosing what they were shutting down. And then to go even a step further, California Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order on July 13th, this was back in 2020, requiring that all churches 
in more than two dozen counties shut down indoor operations altogether. And Newsom even said that he preferred all interactions indoor or outdoor to cease. But I'm focusing today on the churches. In its response to COVID-19, the state of Nevada imposed tighter restrictions on churches, limiting the assembly to just 50 worshipers, no matter how large the building was. And, but it was, that was more restrictive than on indoor bars, casinos, amusement parks, which could operate up to 50% capacity. What was the difference here? They were really putting restrictions on churches. The Deseret News reported that at one point, California even encroached on in-home worship services, prohibiting more than three families from worshiping in a person's home or backyard. But yet, strip clubs and casinos and bars, they could stay open. See the, see the difference here? The National Catholic Register just reported the other day, and that's really kind of got me started down this road because I know a lot of churches are really concerned about future pandemics. The National Catholic Register just reported the other day that this is the title of the article, COVID is on the rise again. Which states now protect churches from closures because of what happened? Well, they, the article states that many states have passed explicit protections for houses of worship, ensuring either that they will not be forced to shutter again amid a future health emergency after hitting their lowest recorded levels since the start of the pandemic in early summer, COVID-19 cases have begun to increase again, raising the specter of new mask mandates and recalling the early days of the pandemic, when fears of COVID outbreaks led much of society to shudder, including controversially many churches around the country. Many states have passed explicit protections for houses of worship, ensuring either that they will not be forced to shudder again amid a future health emergency or that they will not be treated more harshly than other essential services allowed to remain open. Here's the point though. There are still several states that have no protections for the churches. I think it's close to 25 of them. And so there is now legal precedence at the federal level suggesting that states may never shut down worship entirely again and can limit indoor capacity at houses of worship to at most 25% of the normal. But I don't want to shut down churches at all. Churches are an essential part of our society. So the Supreme Court ruled in late November of 2020 that New York State restrictions, which included restrictions on the number of attendees at worship services during the coronavirus pandemic, constituted a violation of the First Amendment's protection of free religious exercise. And then recent data from the New York Times showed that daily COVID hospitalizations among those 70 years and older have doubled more roughly 2,000 per day across the U.S. and in July to 4,300 a day in mid-September of this year. The number of weekly deaths attributed to COVID remains at an all-time low despite a very slight uptick in the recent weeks. And the CDC issued new recommendations September 12th advising everyone six months and older to get an updated COVID-19 vaccine 
to protect against the potentially serious outcomes of COVID-19 illness this fall and winter. So here's the deal, everybody. The reason I wanted to interview, do this interview today is because there are people saying that more pandemics are on the way. We've heard that many, many times in the news. And Jesus even prophesied that we would see pestilence or pandemics in the last days. So pastors don't want to shut down their churches again, but some would if the CDC recommended it. So what is a pastor to do? Well, that's going to be the goal in my interview here. After the break, we'll pick up the interview with Pastor Hodges, and he's going to help us uh, and many pastors around the nation answering this question, what should a pastor to do? And so we'll look forward to this interview on the backside of the break. God bless. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity Die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 endtime are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more end-time Bible prophecy than any other? Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, before I go to my guest today, I want to let you know about a prophecy conference that Doug Norvell is doing in Halifax, Pennsylvania. On October the 6th, he will be at Camp Hebron, 957 Camp Hebron Road in Halifax. And Friday, October 6th at 7 p.m., he's going to be teaching on the understanding of the end time, 
the new DVD series that we have out. And then on Saturday, October 7th at 11 a.m., he'll be joined in that same location doing a, a Breaking Prophecy news session with you. And then on Sunday morning in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at the Capitol Life Church, 640 Graham Street in Harrisburg, that'd be Sunday morning, October the 8th at 11 a.m., he's going to be teaching an evangelistic message. And so certainly we'd want to make sure that you join there with Doug Norvell and Tina. You can meet them and, and uh, get some great prophecy teaching. And then, of course, hear Doug preach on Sunday morning. So certainly don't want to miss that if you're anywhere in Pennsylvania or the surrounding states. You want to drive over there. It'd be great to join Doug there. Now, what I wanted to do today, because I, I work with churches all over the United States. We do prophecy conferences. I got, we got people everywhere, actually around the world, but I'm mainly focused on the United States here today, is many of them are concerned because when COVID hit, I mean, they were telling churches, you've got to shut down. You can only join with 10 or more, 25 or more, only 25% of your church. And I know that our church, we shut down for a while here in uh, Garland, Texas. And we went, um, a lot of churches just went to online streaming only. And I've actually had more than one pastor tell me that I still have people that are joining us online and haven't come back to church yet after COVID. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Because I understand what the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's of utmost importance in all of our lives and in society. And so I wanted to give some direction today to pastors and church members that are out there saying, what do we do? Because they're saying more pandemics are coming. So what do we do? And I had a, my brother-in-law, Scott Sistrunk, told me, he said, look, he said, you need to have Pastor Arthur Hodges on your program because, um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to let you tell, you tell you his situation, but he was one of the ones that said, no, I'm not going to close my church. We're going to have church. It's of utmost importance in our society. And so with that said, Pastor Hodges is joining me today. And so Pastor Hodges from San Diego, California, welcome to the End Time Show. Thank you, Dave. It's great to be with you. All right. Well, God bless you, my friend. And I know you're a friend of my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, and we, we all miss him. But um, I, I've heard a lot about you. I went and watched a lot of your news interviews. And I want to tell you before we start the interview, the news interviews were really quick and you just got to get you on and get you off. I don't want to do that today because you and I have the same goal. And I know that church is of utmost importance as you do. And so what we're going to do is you and I are going to have just a conversation, but I want to bring the pastors all across the United States in on this conversation because we have so many of them that don't really have a clue what to do. Will I have to shut my church down in a future pandemic? So. I do thank you for joining me today and uh, certainly respect um, your beliefs and your opinion. Uh, we're both licensed with the same organization, so I know where you're coming from and um, very thankful to have you with me here today. So let's start by at the beginning. When you heard that the CDC was recommending church closers or at least restricting the amount of people that could attend, what, as a pastor, what was the first thing that went through your mind? You know, the number one thing for every pastor is to protect the flock. Yes. In fact, the scripture is very clear on this. It says the difference between a shepherd and a hireling is that the hireling will flee when danger comes to preserve himself. 
but the shepherd will give his very life for the sheep. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to say is no one cares more for the constituency of a church than that local church pastor. Mm -hmm. He cares more for his people than the mayor does, than the governor does, than the president does, than the CDC does. And I thank God for all of our government uh, agents who are doing what, you know, God's called them to do which is to punish evil and praise good. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. The problem is we're now living in a day, I never thought I would see it in my lifetime, to be honest with you, here in America, but we're living in a day where the exact opposite is happening. Mm -hmm. Our government leaders are praising evil and they are punishing those who do good. So here's my position and here's how we got involved with this. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, we want to be model citizens. We want to be law abiding citizens. We want to follow and exemplify every law that's for the good, the safety, the welfare, the well-being of our society. We're all for that. But we also are all for the wellness of people's souls. Mm -hmm. So while every government entity is looking out for the welfare of people's life, we are the only institution looking out for their eternal life, their eternal soul. And so when this emergency pandemic uh, was broadcast, I believe it was March 15, as I recall, mm-hmm. when then President Trump announced his nationwide uh, 15 days to slow the spread. Right. Um, and, and then it would be three days later that our own California Governor Newsom would be the first in the nation to order a statewide stay-at-home order, effectively abrogating our constitutional rights together and assemble not only you know religious expression, but also freedom of speech and freedom yeah. of assembly and all of that. Um, but we initially complied. We complied not because we were ordered to do so. We complied primarily because we don't know what this pandemic's all about. Mm-hmm. And if it really is that life threatening to all of you know humanity, as we were being led to believe, then mm-hmm. we certainly want people to be safe and protected. Yeah. And so we did that. But here's the problem. On May 8, Governor Newsom uh, had a press conference and he announced that by this time next week, 70%, 70% of California would be back open for business. But he left churches out of that equation. Yeah. He left churches closed. Right. And so that's the rub right there. You know, we went to court. Uh, we filed a lawsuit that same afternoon in federal district court. Mm-hmm. And to summarize a whole year, most people remember 2020 as the year of COVID. I remember 2020 as the year of court because I was <laughs> sure. living in court just about all year long. Yeah. We had 11 rulings in less than one year, wow. all at the federal uh, level. Yeah. We had four district court rulings, federal district court. We had four uh, Ninth Circuit court uh, rulings. We had three U.S. Supreme Court rulings. We're told that's an all-time record for the United States that a single case would get three Supreme Court rulings in wow. less than a year. Um, we were the first case the Supreme Court took on this matter in May of 2020. And we were the last case the Supreme Court ruled on. And thank God it was two favorable rulings we received February 6th of 2021 and April 26, 2021, resounding victories. But but all we were asking for, we really did not even ask for our constitutional exception, which I believe we have, the constitutional exception to freely practice our faith and religion. Mm -hmm. We didn't even ask for that. We just asked for equality because churches were being treated unfairly. We're being discriminated against. They never in California closed liquor stores. They never in California closed marijuana dispensaries. They never in California closed abortion clinics. And by the way, they started putting giant banners on the front of their building saying, 
these doors never close. Kind of like a slap in the face of our constitutional right. guarantees. You know, liquor stores aren't named in the Constitution. Marijuana dispensaries aren't yeah. named in the Constitution. Abortion clinics sure aren't named yeah. in the Constitution. And at the time, six times more people were dying daily in abortion clinics that were then were dying of COVID. Sure. But obviously was a was a discrimination and the Supreme Court recognized that we received that resounding decision yes uh, I think I said February 5 February uh, February 6 it's February 5 2021 and April 26 2021 yeah so the the um, lawsuit or well so your your decision to do this it was a it wasn't necessarily a constitutional issue but it was a biblical issue or both for you you just said hey I mean because some people would attack it from, hey, this is a constitutional thing and I'm going to hammer down on that. Some people, I would say, hey, this is a biblical issue. But for you, it was really kind of both. Is that true? It, it was both. Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely it was both. And, and now, honestly, what motivated us initially was the biblical side, not the constitutional side. Okay. The constitutional side became our weapon of choice yeah. to, to ensure we could practice you know, our faith. And, and we were asked some very you know, excellent questions by the courts and some good questions by the media. Yeah. Uh, the media, for example, and the courts, they both wanted to know, why can't you just do what you're doing online? Why does that not suffice? Right. And you know, most of the media, frankly, I mean, we were on about everything. We were on uh, Tucker Carlson, Martha McCollum, yeah. Fox and Friends. Yeah. Uh, CNN interviewed me for one hour. Um, and, and I rejoice in the fact they chose not to air any of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't twist it. I think to their own, you know, right, their right. own devices. Understood. But, uh, so we were asked that question. We kind of had a different answer for the media than we had for the courts, because yeah. in the media, they're not really understanding the Bible or probably no. caring about it that much. So right. with the media, here's what I said. I said, well, listen, let me tell you the difference. Uh, if you like to take your family camping and, and sit around a campfire and roast some marshmallows and have that wonderful, enjoyable experience. What's the difference in that and saying, we're not going camping this year. We're just going to sit in our living room and, and watch a fire on yeah. the TV. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's absolutely so true. So they could understand that. And, yeah, and there yeah. is a difference. You know, thank God for the online. Absolutely. But it can't fully do what, you know, the Bible tells us to do in assembling together. For example, you can't lay hands on the sick. Yeah. and see them recover through a screen. You you can't baptize people through a screen. Exactly. So there are things that just have to be done yeah. in person. And then with the courts, we had to answer the same question. And uh, we wrote briefs and rewrote briefs. And and the Lord gave me a lot of personal you know insight just in preparation for this. For the Supreme Court, for example, yeah. they wanted to know also, why can't you just you know operate uh, online so I had to go to the Bible. I found verses I didn't even yeah. know really existed <laughs> searching this. I found over 30 verses that mandate us in the Bible yes. to come together in person, I mean, in a commonplace. Some of them actually say in a building, in a structure, yeah. in the sanctuary Absolutely. To, to bring the congregation together. So yeah. we have firm biblical grounds for needing together together as the body of Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, at some point, so originally you say you did, uh, like pretty much everybody else, you were just following the guidelines, but then you realized it was focused on, it was kind of like appointed um, at churches because they, everybody else was staying open and then they said, hey, but, but churches, like you said. So yeah. that's very, very important. And so at, at that time, uh, obviously you said, hey, I, this is where we need to come to a lawsuit and you went to the lawsuit and 
the lawsuit was very successful. Now, now that the case has won the, this, the Supreme Court uh, ruling, does that mean that only churches in California can stay open, or is that for all 50 states? So ostensibly, it's really for all 50 states. Okay. It's a precedent setting when you're at the Supreme Court. Yes. Um, and so when we won that first victory, February 5, 2021, basically churches, it's like a ripple effect, like a domino. Yeah, right. They just open all over the, the nation. Um, states that had brought lawsuits or counties or CDC against churches, they all settled those cases. Like we're not winning. They knew they're not going to win at that point. Right. So it settles it across the board. And here's basically what we want. We, we said, if we have an emergency, let's say pandemic that is so exigentic in nature that it really requires everybody to shut down, then that's fine. We will shut down with everybody. Right. But as soon as one entity is allowed to reopen, churches must be allowed that same privilege. Yes. And if you say, well, we're going to open those but with restrictions, well, fine, tell us the restrictions and let us see if we can't also comply with yeah. those restrictions. But we were not being given that uh, opportunity previously. Now we must have that opportunity. Basically, churches should be the last to close yes. and the first to reopen. A absolutely. So that that's very key for all, all these pastors across the nation is that yes. if everybody, if they say everybody shut down because there's right. a pandemic, then a, a, a pastor should say, you know what, it's the law of the land and or it's a, you know, it's a recommendation or whatever, then we would yeah. shut as well. But because they left everybody else open, then right. we need to be, like you say, the, the last to close and the first to open. That's a very, very key point. Um, so if, uh, if a pastor, let's say, because I, I found a, a, the, one of the reasons that got me into all this is, um, number one, I had pastors asking me about it, what should we do and things like that. And, but I saw a map that was put together on back just a couple weeks ago of the estates that have um, placed like uh, they've had laws and different things that have passed that said you can't shut churches down. But I think there are 24 or 25 states that have no restrictions still, but yet a, ch a, ch a pastor could go because of this Supreme Court, which sets the precedence, because of this Supreme Court ruling, regardless of whether the state, has, the state has passed laws or not, they could still say, well, no, this Supreme Court ruling says this, and that would supersede all the rest of this. That's correct, right? It, it certainly should. Yeah. And if a pastor standing on his biblical and constitutional grounds, yes. uh, and, and they bring a lawsuit against him, anyone does, um, there are attorneys, thank God, there yes. are attorneys who will represent you free of cost. Okay. And so uh, now let me say this one more thing too. We, we need to have a good spirit. We need to have a right attitude. Sure. Absolutely. Um, we should be looking for ways to comply, not looking for ways to defy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this should be a last resort. You yes. know, when, when the apostles said in Acts 5, we ought to obey God rather than man. Amen. They weren't saying we're not going to regard man at all. No, yeah. we need to respect the laws right. as much as we can. Okay. But at some point, we get forced into a corner and, yeah. and like enough is enough. And, and we right. have to stand at that point. Amen. Well, Pastor, I'm coming up to a break here and then uh, we'll pick it right back up. We've got a few more questions for you. Certainly appreciate you being here. And I know everybody will glean from this information, especially the pastors, because I, I think there's more pandemics on the way. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God.
I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. Well, welcome back, everybody. And I'm joined with Pastor Arthur Hodges of the um, South Bay Pentecostal Church in San Diego, California. And he was a pastor that said, look, I, I at one point, they originally they shut down what, whatever the CDC recommendations. He was walking right alongside that and obeying those things and um, complying with them. However, there came a point when he realized that it was pointed towards churches because they were allowing big box stores and bars and um, marijuana dispensing companies and different things like that to stay open, but yet they were, they were focused on the churches and saying no. So he said, no, but well, hold on. As the shepherd of my church, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And it, it was a, it, it's going to end up being very good for all the rest of the pastors uh, around the United States of America. It's going to be very important for us because even though your state hasn't necessarily passed laws or restrictions that they couldn't shut down churches. And I know there's, I just looked at a map the other day, there's like 24 or 25 of them that have not. Many of them did, but many of them have not. It does not mean you do not have a recourse. Now, again, another key thing that Pastor Hodges said is that we all need to do this in, in, in a good spirit, um, not from the fact that, hey, I'm resisting the government because I'm anti-government or whatever. No, but we've got to protect our churches um, from some kind of a pointed, um, you know, maybe a, not necessarily vendetta, but just a, some, actions pointed at churches can't do that. Like he said something very important. The church needs to be the last to close and the first to reopen because the church is absolutely essential in our society. And of course, I'm, what we're trying to do here at End Time Ministries, I'm trying to get people to heaven. That's the most important thing. And that's what any pastor is supposed to do, a commission by God. The Bible says, I will choose you pastors after mine own heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Yeah, you can get that online, but there's something just in Scripture. He said there's about 30, Pastor Hodges said he found about 30-some verses uh, that is commissioning the church people to gather together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There's something about being part of the body of Christ and joining together. I mean, folks, think about it. I've got a body. But if I was to cut my finger off and lay it over here on the desk, the finger would die.
but the body would live on. There's something about being connected to the body. And of course, man, I've, I've been in thousands and thousands of church services, but I've also watched some online. And watching online, that's okay, and you get the message and things like that. But man, there's nothing like being there and feeling the worship and the move of the Spirit and having people lay hands on you and go, attending a baptism and just an altar call, a good old-fashioned altar call. There's nothing like that. And so I, I've asked uh, Pastor Hodges to come on today and because we respect him and what he went through and leading the charge in all of this. So thank you, Pastor Hodges, for being with me today. And I got a few more questions for you. Um, I know that some states have allowed churches to gather, but up to um, like a like hundred people. I mean, it, you know, at that time, that's what happened. Does this new Supreme Court ruling, does it state that they can't restrict churches at all uh, that can attend church during a pandemic or just your, your main thing was to get them just to do everything across the board, like you said, equality? Right. Yeah. So mainly what it says is they cannot put more restrictions on a church than they put on any other entity. That's okay. mainly what, what it's saying. But they still can restrict a church. Um, they, they could in a in an it has to be an emergency situation uh -huh. and it has to be a temporary restriction and it has to be universally applied. OK, so, so that's, the key. that's the key. Yeah. That's yeah. the key right there. And, right? and they're yeah, always I mean, they're always preaching equality. Now they're going to have to live by it. Exactly. That's the word we captured and we use, yes. we use their own word against them in this, in That's this particular great. case. Yeah, e even, even strip clubs remain yeah. open in California. Oh, it's amazing. I know. And, uh, yeah. I read that and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, just if uh, people doing that, they simply don't understand the, the importance of a church because wow. Um, right. it's just, it seems crazy to me. Um, what would, what would you advise, again, uh, so we're talking to pastors everywhere here and church attendees, what would you advise churches to do that are told to um, close or restrict? Let's say they're facing what you faced in, let's say, New York or, uh, you know, Nevada or someplace. Um, should they go, so they, the first thing they would do is to go to a lawyer or just keeping a, keep attending their church and allow the law to come to them. In other words, like Tony Spell I think he's down here in Louisiana. He just kept having church and the police showed up. What, would you rather, would you advise somebody to do that or to go see a lawyer if they came under this circumstance? Well, it's always good to get legal counsel if you're going to be facing legal, you know, jeopardy. Right. Um, it just makes sense to do that. And again, I would seek counsel from attorneys, not just any attorney. I've got attorneys in my church. Okay. I didn't turn to them in this instance. So. Yeah. I turn to attorneys who have expertise yes. in the area of constitutional law and religious freedom good. and that sort of thing. So get advice. And there's several good, good uh, groups. Now I was represented by three firms. I was represented by LaMandria and Jonah here in San Diego. They yeah. actually had the longest running case. He's the former San Diego district attorney actually okay. went in a private practice and, uh, but he has the longest running federal case, 26 years that case lasted. Wow. And it was a religious issue. It was over a what's called Mount Soledad in San Diego. And there's a mem Vietnam memorial on top of that. But it's a cross. And the protest was the cross and yeah. crossing religion, government, whatever. Anyway, right, he right. won that case in the, in the Supreme Court. My other law firm is a Harmeet Dillon uh, out of San Francisco, her law firm. She's on 
Fox News quite a bit. Sure. And then our third group of lawyers were the Thomas More Society out of Chicago, and they are the number one Roman Catholic law firm. And uh, frankly, th this case really was to be a, a kind of like a, a consortium of a Catholic bishop, a Mormon bishop, yeah. a leading Jewish rabbinical overseer, and an evangelical bishop. I was the evangelical bishop. Sure. But one by one, they all dropped out of the case, and it left me alone. Okay. So, I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we ended up, it, it ended up being the, uh, you know, the, the Pentecostal, if you will, the evangelical <laughs> bishop yeah. uh, that, that continued. Let, let me say this, Dave, for pastors, you're trying to really help pastors. Yes. And, and I'm a pastor, so I know the conflict. The conflict is we want to obey both God and man. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, in America, I appreciate what you said opening the show. You said you're going to address primarily concerns in America because we know every country is different. Yeah. So I certainly can't speak to what others should do in other nations. Yes only just in the form of principles, but not actually, you know, particulars. But let me say particularly about America. Uh, America uniquely is a nation that was founded by people who wanted to make sure they would never have to decide between obeying God or government. Yes. That's why America was founded. And that's why we have slogans like one nation under God, indivisible. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why former President Ronald Reagan said, if we ever cease being one nation under God, we will be a nation gone under. Yes. And 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 so we, we've got to preserve that. And unfortunately, in what we faced and other churches faced recently with the COVID restrictions on against churches, is we were forced to decide, are we going to obey God or government? Americans yes. should never be forced to make that kind of a decision. Amen. So that's the conflict for pastors. But let me help you pastors biblically, because yes. ultimately the Bible is our, our ultimate source. And uh, let me speak to Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, and uh, Hebrews 13. Mm -hmm. So Romans 13, we're very familiar with that. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers and so on. And then 1 Peter 2 talks about um, uh, being subject to uh, every ordinance of man, live peaceably as much as possible with the laws of the lands and respect governors, etc. And then Hebrews 13 says, obey them that have the rule over you. Yes. So let me do a, you know, a, a quick Bible study. I'm talking to pastors, so I can say something in two minutes and, and you'll get an hour Bible study. <laughs> That's, <okay. laughs> That's awesome. So, so here's your two minutes seed thought. All right. From these three references, yes. Romans 13, first Peter two and Hebrews 13 mm -hmm. in Romans and in Peter, which instruct us about governors and laws and ordinances and all of that. It never uses the word obey. Right. It only uses the word to be subject to and to submit. Mm -hmm. Only Hebrews 13 uses the word obey. Mm -hmm. And that's significant. And by the way, this is not a translator's uh, prerogative. I've looked up in the original language. These are different words. They yes. are very different words. Now, the word submit or to be subject to is largely dealing with an attitude. The word obey is dealing largely with an action. So as much as we could obey, we want to obey, but there will come times when we cannot obey man right. because it is contrary to God. We can't obey man's law because it's contrary to God's law. In those cases though, we still need to maintain an attitude and spirit of submission. Mm -hmm. we, we don't come, you know, throwing it in the face of our government officials. I don't have to do what you say because I've got the Bible and what, right. no. We come appealing to them. And case after case in the Bible exemplifies this. Yes. Daniel 
didn't just say, I don't care what he says. I'm doing what I want to do. No, he appealed to the king. Said, is there another way we can do this? Mm-hmm. Is there something that will satisfy you, but it won't compromise you know, my faith and, and, and obedience to God? Mm-hmm. The three Hebrew children, Esther, on and on again, we've got these examples. So, But I think it's important for pastors to know this. Um, uh, we are to submit to every ordinance. Uh, we are to submit to governors, et cetera. But if it contrasts or is contrary to God's law, we can't obey that. Right. Now, in Hebrews 13, it says, obey them that have the rule over you. But it tells us who it's talking about. It says they watch for your soul. So we know that's not human government. Exactly. Human government's not saving anybody's souls. Right. We know that's talking about our spiritual leadership, mm-hmm. our spiritual government, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to point that out. And yes. pastors, I threw that out. You can make a Bible study out of that. Right. And I think maybe uh, that's you awesome. know we're um, yeah. So the uh, if if let's say a, a pastor in one of these states that has no restri- that has no restrictions that have been put in place, would you suggest that they go it alone or form a coalition? Because I watched some of your interviews and you said that um, there were ten thousand plus churches in California. Yeah. Didn't you guys kind of form like a coalition and and would your would the Supreme Court success have been possible? And I didn't know that at the end you were right there alone with it all. But would it have been, would it have been successful and went all the way to the Supreme Court without a coalition of churches that were on board with it? Yeah, the case itself would have been successful. Just okay. me going it alone. OK, uh, but 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 the coalition is important and. And uh, here's how it's important. For example, I did not want to file the lawsuit against Governor Newsom and the state of California until I followed the biblical prescription of first appealing personally to him and and, and the state of California. Now, that's difficult to do. I had never met Governor Newsom in person. I don't have his phone number. He didn't have my phone number. but I told my attorneys, listen, before we file, I've got to make every attempt possible to reach out to him and appeal. And so we did. We reached his chief of staff and we worked with his chief of staff. Governor Newsom and I have a mutual personal friend who remained nameless. Uh, our, our mutual friend hand delivered a letter from me to Governor Newsom okay. and hand delivered uh, protocols, uh, scientific medical protocols for reopening churches. Mm-hmm. And so he had that. He had that on his desk when he chose to leave churches out of the reopened sure. plan. Okay. And, and so, so I worked with a coalition of religious uh, leaders uh, like myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, uh, a superintendent in my organization in Southern California with mm-hmm. 125 churches. I worked with other religious denominational leaders and some mega church pastors. Yeah. And all together, we represented some 10,000 churches. Okay. 3,000 of our churches signed onto a petition saying, we're going to reopen by May 31 on Sunday with yeah. or without governor's permission, with pa- or without court permission. Pastor, let me uh, let me stop you right there. I, I got a break coming up and I do want everybody to recognize if you're, if you're not a pastor, but you're attending a church, make sure your pastor hears this message because a lot of them are asking about it and they got questions. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. 
Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Well, welcome back everybody. And I'm joined today with a great friend of ours, Pastor Arthur Hodges from South Bay Pentecostal Church in San Diego. And again, he was one of the ones that uh, went, ended up being him alone that went to the Supreme Court with the case of equality. They were out in California during the pandemic. They were keeping, when they were starting to reopen churches and different things or reopen uh, businesses, they were they weren't equal to the churches. And he was one of the ones that went all the way to the Supreme Court and said, no, you have to be, it's equality. You know, everybody, all these, these people are all the time preaching equality, equality, but they weren't, there was no equality for the churches. And so he went all the way to Supreme Court, won his case, and now that should be able to help a lot of churches with the precedence from that case, no matter what state you're in. And so uh, with uh, maybe a future pandemic, they're all the time talking about pandemics. They're talking about spikes in COVID right now. And I can almost guarantee you that they're going to want to, in the future, maybe try to shut things down again. And uh, so we can look to this um, precedence that was set by this Supreme Court case. Now, uh, so Pastor Hodges, thank you for being with me. I have one final question here. Um, and I, I want to take our time here a little bit because there are so many people, again, I said that there are pastors that have told me just recently, matter of fact, we just had our general conference in Indianapolis. I did a prophecy conference up in Northern Indiana the weekend before that. And the pastor told me that he still has people that are wanting to watch online. And I'm like, you know, I, I, you know, I understand if you're sick or you got, you know, somebody cut your leg off or something, stay home. However, the importance of joining together as a church, the importance of the church, number one, but the importance of coming together as a church. You said you found uh, 30 some verses in, but I wanted to just, with, with a closing remark from you, what is the importance of coming together in a church situation? I wanted to reiterate that because that's what really this is all about. If, there's, if it's not really important, Fine, let's just all sit at home on, you know, stay in our pajamas, get a thing of popcorn and just watch somebody get up and speak in a pulpit. But there's something about the spirit moving and um, being in a collective body because during times of COVID, there's nothing like being together with somebody uh, and, and feeling the presence of God come in. And so just as a, as a closing remark here, and I think this, I think this uh, program will help a lot of pastors um, that we're dealing with. We deal with thousands. I've dealt with pastors all over the world. I'm really focused on the United States today. But still, uh, it's been very helpful even to me to talk to you because, um, you know, a lot of people have questions and I need to know what to tell them. So the importance of coming together in a church setting. Jesus Christ established the church when he was here on earth. And so just being isolated and uh, you know, I don't need to go to church. I'll just do my own thing. And that's, there, there's a danger in that, I think. 
And so I believe that people should be a part of a body of a, a collective-minded individuals that say, hey, we're going to serve God. We've got a church body here. And God instituted that. And, you know, it's part of the fivefold ministry of the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So, anyway, um, just a parting thought from you. The importance of coming together as a church. Amen. Again, you can, uh, anyone here can look up the verses about the church, the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. uh, praise God in His sanctuary. Amen. Uh, praise Him in the congregation of the people. Uh, where two or three gather together, there am I in their midst. Mm -hmm. The church was birthed in gathering together. Yes. The church was birthed by people residing together for 10 days, waiting for the promise. Mm -hmm. And then they spread the word. But when they spread the word, the crowd gathered together mm -hmm. with the church. There's so much there. Uh, the sanctuary, the house of God. Um, David said, when I saw the wicked prospering, I almost lost my way. My feet well nigh slipped until I went into the house of the Lord, into the sanctuary. Right. It is absolutely vital. Yes. It is vital. Yes. When you watch online, thank God for the online. And when I'm traveling, I'm watching online. Yeah, yeah. But it cannot replace or supplant the gathering together in person because yes. you're not connected. You're isolated. You, right. you are a spectator. Yes. At that point, you are not a participator. Mm -hmm. and, and the body is all about participation. Yes. You know, if your body, if your mind says, my body is going to dance and rejoice right now, where your little fingers can't say, well, I'm staying home and resting. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. The body has to do this yeah. together. Right. We are each individual members of the body of Christ. We yes. are lively stones to the building up of the tabernacle, yes. the temple of God. We are the church. And by the way, Jesus is the one that coined the word church in yes. Matthew 16, 18. No record of that word ever being used before. Yes. And Jesus said, they knew what the tabernacle was, but it burnt with fire at Shiloh. Yeah. They knew what the temple was, but it was it was destroyed, still destroyed today. Mm -hmm. They knew what synagogues were, but when you go to your Israel tour, I saw your ad earlier, yeah. uh, all those synagogues are in ruins. Oh, yeah, okay? absolutely. But Jesus said, I'm going to build something new. Yes. I'm gonna, it's Ecclesia, the called out ones, called out of the tabernacle, called out of the temple, called out of the synagogues called out of every nation, culture, language group into something new called the church. And the gates of hell Amen. will not prevail against this church. When the whole world's going down, the church is going up. Come on. So we have on our marquee out front, we did this during COVID while we're having church and we're getting all the media like you're infecting people, you're you're a spreader, you don't love your neighbor, whatever. Yeah. We get all these accusations, yeah. initially at least, yeah. from the media. We put on our sign, we only put two things on our sign. I said, kill all the mess on our sign. I just want two things. I want Acts 238 because yes. that's the new birth prescription. Yes. And, and I want safest place on earth. And it's still on our sign today. Yes. Safest place on earth. So when, when the world's going down, right. the church is going Amen. up. Amen. Amen. Church is your sanctuary. If your marriage is in trouble, get to church. Amen. If your business is in trouble, get to church. If, you're, if your body needs, needs healing, get to church. You'll find it in the church. Christ designed the church to be the only surviving institution in yes. these end times. Yep. Yeah, there's some things that a hospital can't do for you, a, a lawyer, a psychiatrist. You, it, I knew there's been times in my life where I knew if I can only get to church, I can yep. make it through another day. And so, wow. Well, think about the hospital, Dave, during COVID. Yeah. Uh, tele, telehealth became popular, right? Yeah. And, and the, so there's some things you can do remotely. Right, exactly. You, you can't do a surgery through telehealth. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. That's awesome. So... 
there is such a need in our church. Um, and the Bible does say, even so, forsake not the assembly of ourselves together, even, even so much more as you see the day approaching. I know there's a lot of churches that have went down to like some of them one service, some of them two services and different things. I'm not criticizing any of that. I'm just saying I think we need more church. You know, we, back, you remember back in the day when, when we were younger when my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, was an evangelist for years and he would hold 10, 12, 15-week revivals. And I don't remember the last time I seen one of those. And so, but there's something about gathering together and the Bible says even so much more. So pastor, I think we need more church, not less church. Amen. 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 So, well, God bless you, my friend. I do, man, I certainly appreciate your perspective and everything you've done and leading the charge because I think what you've done will help many churches across the United States when they can say, hey, no, we've got a precedence here. And yes, we want to be treated equal. If you're leaving the bars open, if you're leaving Costco open or whoever, then the church needs to stay open. And yep. uh, very, very important. So, Pastor, I, I do thank you today. I want to say God bless you. God bless your church. I guess General Conference is going to be out in California next year. So we're going to bombard Long California. Beach. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we'll bombard California with uh, a bunch of those Pentecostals. So it's going to be awesome. Amen. Well, God bless Amen. you, my friend. I do, I do appreciate you being on the program with me today. Thank you, Dave. Can I tell everyone, the church in these end times, we need to wake up like Samson. We need to pray up like Daniel. We need to listen up like Samuel. We need to stand up like the three Hebrew children. We need to speak up like John the Baptist. And we need to ax up like the apostles and the book of Acts church in the end times. Come Not on. act up. There's a lot of actors out there. <laughs> we need to ax up. We need Amen. to be the book of Acts church yes. in the 21st century. Pray with me for Gavin Newsom. I'm Amen. praying. He will be the 21st century Saul of Tarsus yes. who becomes the Apostle Paul, carrying out threats to the church, but becoming a great preacher and missionary. I'm trying to win Gavin Newsom Come on. to the Lord. So That's pray awesome. with us about that. Amen. Well, certainly we'll do that. And I know anything is possible. Um, so, uh, well, God bless you, my friend. And I do thank you for joining me today and uh, hope thank to have you, you on again in the future. Look forward to it. God bless right. you. God bless. Well, there you go, everybody. And I do thank you. Do thank, certainly thank Pastor Hodges for joining us today and what a, what a voice he is in these end times. And it, hopefully this will be helpful to all of the pastors out there that are listening to this. I know I'm dealing with, I deal with pastors every day all across the United States and it's very, very critical that they understand that you don't just have to roll over and lay down and die. I mean, yeah, we do need to have a good spirit and we do need to um, you know, obey the laws on the lands, but you can't obey a law that uh, tries to thwart what God's trying to do. You cannot do that. We have to stand on the Word of God. The Word of God's the most important. And like Pastor Hodges said, <clears throat> the very beginning, this nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. We came out from under King George. We didn't want to be, for, to be told and to be controlled our religious system in our church. No, we want to be able to freely worship God. And so, uh, it's of utmost importance, and I hope this, is, uh, this helps many of you pastors in different churches around the United States um, because churches of utmost importance in our societies and the gathering together of churches uh, as a body of believers where I know that there's been times a lot of people talk about an old-fashioned altar call. Listen to me. I've had my life transformed in one trip to an altar. And I mean totally transformed. And many of you have heard my testimony, different things where, um, you know, I, when I was backslidden at one point and 
one trip to an altar, God healed my marriage, God turned me completely around, and within just no time, man, I had a totally different life. That's possible to every single person listening here today. So, wow, what a great um, interview with Pastor Hodges, and I hope to have him back on in the future because we need voices like this in the end time that said, hey, I'm willing to go all the way. I'm willing to protect my church. I'm willing to make sure that we're treated equally and not different than bars and strip clubs and all these other different things, casinos that were allowed to operate, but yet they were, sh they were shutting the churches down. So hopefully this has been helpful to all of you pastors out there and any church member. If your pastor hasn't listened to this, make sure you get them to this because I know a lot of them are asking. And um, if you're out there and you're listening online and haven't started going back to your church, I would encourage you to go back. Yes, I, like Pastor Hodges said, I, I watch some things online. Uh, if I'm traveling across the country or maybe I'm at home on a Sunday afternoon and our church isn't having church on Sunday evenings, many times me and my wife will watch a, um, a service or something. Maybe Pentecostals of Alexandria or someplace, you know, we'll watch their services. But the thing is, it's very important that you you don't want to be isolated in these end times. You want to make sure that you're part of a, the body of Christ. And of course, um, that comes through a Book of Acts experience. And so, thank you, Pastor Hodges, today for joining us. I, I, I um, just really value what he said to all of us today. And hopefully it gives you direction, leadership, and guidance, what to do. Because we're all going to face things. We're going to face a world government. We're going to face a world religious system. We're going to face an, a global economic sanctioning system. All of this is mentioned in Revelation chapter 13. We'll face these things, but the Bible gives us the answers. A Bible and a walk with God. The Bible says, God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So i got to have a daily prayer life. i got to study the Word of God, and God will lead and guide and direct us. We're following a cloud, just like they did in the Old Testament, aren't we, everybody? We're being, the Bible says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, certainly want to be part of the bride of Christ, the church in these end times. And uh, certainly want to thank Pastor Hodges again. I know we're coming up to the end of the program here, but what a great program today. What a great interview. I would certainly want to say God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for listening today. And join us again tomorrow for another exciting edition of The End Time Show.